Welcome to the sermon podcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Moore, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on February 15th, 2015, on the basis of 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12 through 4, verse 2. So Lent is just three days away now. Have you decided what you're going to give up yet? Actually, I'll put in a little plug here. During our worship series in Lent, we're going to be talking about giving things up, not things like like chocolate or caffeine or your favorite series on Netflix, but serious things, the things that God wants us to give up for Lent. God never commands us to give up something like like chocolate for 40 days, but I did want to ask you this morning, do you think that for even one day you could give up any and all use of batteries? ever thought about how much we use batteries? Without batteries, you couldn't start your car in the morning. Whenever you wanted to use your phone or your tablet or your computer, it would need to be plugged right into the wall. Without batteries, your kids couldn't play with many of their favorite toys, and and you couldn't take pictures with your camera of them doing so. In fact, without batteries, you'd have a hard time hearing me this morning because this microphone runs on, on batteries. Batteries are almost an essential part of our life. In fact, we sometimes speak as though we run on batteries. As in, boy, I could really use a break. Boy, I could really use some time away. I could really use a vacation because I need to recharge my battery. Maybe we've just been really, really busy And it seems like we're having a hard time keeping up with life's frantic pace. Maybe we've been facing some very difficult challenges. And even though we tried to take them head on lately, it seems as though they are just too much for us to handle. Maybe we've observed some disturbing trends in our own behavior. It seems like we're irritable all the time. We're quick to snap at the people around us. We notice our language becoming increasingly crude or foul. It seems like we find all kinds of things to complain about, nothing positive to say, and we want to change it. We can think of all kinds of reasons why we would tell ourselves that we need to recharge our battery. And so the big question in front of us this morning is, how do we do it? Where do we turn? What power source, what energy supply do we plug into to guarantee that we are always energized and enthusiastic to face life? Sadly, we're going to see that you and I often have a tendency to look in all the wrong places to plug into insufficient, inadequate power supplies for our energy. But thankfully, the Apostle Paul is going to point us in the right direction. He's going to show us the best way, really the only way to guarantee that we stay energized and refreshed to handle whatever life might throw at us. This morning, Paul reminds us that when life has us all worn down, we can recharge simply by getting a little face time with God. That's a common thread that is found in all three of our lessons this morning. People who get face-to-face time with God. In the first lesson from Exodus that Paul actually references here, Moses 
is that person. Moses would climb to the top of Mount Sinai, which you might remember was also called Mount Horeb. Moses climbed to the top of Mount Sinai, and there he stood face to face with God. He saw God in all of his glory, all of his majesty, all of his splendor, as God revealed to him his holy law. All of those rules, all of those regulations that God expected his people to follow. And that glory that Moses saw face to face was so powerful that when Moses came back down the mountain, he was a changed man. You might say that his battery had been so recharged that as he then communicated God's law to the rest of the people, his face was literally lit up. He had witnessed God's glory with his own eyes, and so as he communicated that law, his face was radiant. God's glory was that powerful. There was just one problem, though. God's glory also made people afraid. In fact, the only reason Moses went up that mountain all by himself is because the people had said to him, we don't want to go near that mountain. Moses, you go up all by yourself. We'll stay down here. And then even when Moses came back down and his face was radiant, you heard it. They were scared to look at the face of Moses. So yes, God's glory was impressive, but it was also terrifying for the people. When sinful human beings come face to face with the glory of God as he reveals it to us in his holy law, those sinners simply must turn away. In fact, the law still has that effect on you and me. You see, when we need our batteries to be recharged, we have this this tendency, this natural inclination to turn to God's law. We think that all we need to do is focus a little bit more closely on what God wants us to do. And yet because that law is so impressive, even so intimidating, we can't help but come up with a slightly softened version of it. This week I tried to collect a variety of of motivational sayings, inspirational quotes that are intended to get people really fired up. Maybe you've heard a few of them before. Every day is a second chance. Remind yourself that it's okay not to be perfect. The only person you should try to be better than is the person you were yesterday. Just be yourself. Believe in yourself. Listen to your inner voice. Do those things inspire you? They might for a little bit, and it's okay if they do. The problem is they are the exact opposite of what God tells us in his law about his expectations for us. God says, you must be perfect. God says, compare yourself to me. Be as holy as I am. God says, everything about you and everything inside of you cannot be trusted because it has been permanently polluted by sin. And God says, there are no second chances. One slip up and you are doomed forever. So yes, God's law is impressive. God's law is intimidating. God's law is even frightening. 
And when we sinners come face to face with God in his law, we can only turn away in fear. So when God's law causes people to turn away, what do you suppose God does? Well, in love, God takes all of that glory, all of that splendor, all of that majesty, and he hides it. He covers it up. He buries it. In fact, that's the lesson that we learn on this Sunday on which we remember Jesus' transfiguration. Yes, as Jesus stood there on the mountain with his disciples, he showed his glory in all of its splendor. He showed them that as God's son, he possessed the very same glory that God himself had. And yet on transfiguration, we are, almost, we are also reminded that for 99.9% of the time, all of that glory was hidden. His transfiguration was the exception, not the rule. God hid all of that glory beneath ordinary human flesh and blood. He hid that glory in a human life, and not just any human life, but in a human life that was defined by weakness, ridicule, rejection. He hid it in his arrest his sentencing, his crucifixion. He buried it underneath torture and brutality and bloodshed and agony. And finally, he covered it up once and for all in his own death and burial. And he did all of that for you. When the brilliance of God's glory makes sinners afraid to approach their God, God in his love covers that glory up so that he can approach us. Now maybe we'd be quick to say, well, it's too bad Jesus is gone. You and I can't stand face to face with Jesus the way that Peter, James, and John could. Jesus has left us. And Paul would be very quick to respond, no, he hasn't. You see, God still hides his glory in Jesus just as he did before, only now he does it in a slightly different way. Now God makes us promises like this. He says, wherever two or three, are there two or three in the room today? Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, just like we are today, there I am with them. Jesus gives us this meal that we celebrate so often here in church called Holy Communion. And he says, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. In other words, Jesus still hides all of his glory, only now he hides it beneath ink and paper. He hides it in the humble words of his humble messengers. He hides it in bread and wine. He hides it in a bowl of water at baptism. God hides all of his glory in the gospel. And that's how you and I get to stand face to face with God. That's how you and I get face time with our creator. In fact, as much of it as we could ever want. When we come face to face with God in all of his splendor and all of his majesty, sinners can only turn away. But because all of that glory has been hidden in the gospel, you and I can stand and stare 
for as long as we would ever want. So do we always want to? That was kind of the funny thing about those Israelites who had a chance to look at Moses. They didn't want to go up to the top of the mountain and stand face to face with God. They didn't even want to look at Moses when he came back down and his face was radiant. They were frightened by the glory of God revealed in his law. And yet they were also fascinated by it. You see, Paul points out that even though Moses came back down and his face was radiant as he communicated God's law, eventually that glow, that radiance on his face faded. The battery life ran out. And the message to God's people should have been very clear. God's law is not a permanent solution to the problem of sin. And yet instead of getting that message, Paul tells us that those Israelites, their, their minds over time became dull. Over time, they became convinced that their relationship with God depended on their obedience to his laws. They ignored all of the signs that God was giving them that pointed ahead to Christ. It was as if they were blinded. They had a veil over their face and they could not see what was right in front of them. That glory on the face of Moses was only temporary, and yet they foolishly put their permanent trust in it. And sadly, you and I can be just as foolish at times. When life is really wearing us down, when challenges are really mounting up high, when we are absolutely disgusted with our own behavior, we foolishly go running to the law. We think that through a simple pep talk or a motivational poster or an inspirational quote, we'll be re-energized and off we go. We might find a quick rush of energy, but friends, I can guarantee you it won't last. The only thing that has the power to permanently give us the life and energy that we need to live as children of God is this gospel. To hear again and again that because Jesus was willing to hide all of his glory, you get his victory. Because Jesus was willing to come to earth and live for you, you are forgiven of all your sins. Because Jesus was willing to suffer and die, you are God's own dear child. There's nothing flashy about it. Nothing impressive about that gospel. In fact, it often seems kind of plain, kind of uninteresting, and, and maybe even at times we are tempted to think it's a little bit boring. But friends, that's exactly the point. Because that's the only way that we can stand and stare at it for as long as we want. Because all of the glory is hidden. And yet even though that glory is hidden, we dare not ever think that it's not really there. As we come face to face with God here in the gospel, it will inevitably transform our lives. Here's how Paul says it. He says, We who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. You see, that glory that was on the face of Moses, it quickly faded. 
And yet the glory that we find in the gospel not only lasts, it actually increases. The longer we stare at it, the more we immerse ourselves in it, the more it transforms us into God's image. The more it changes us into the people that God created us to be. Yes, God has hidden all of that glory in the gospel so that we can sit there and stare at it. That's how we get our face time with God. But that glory, even though it's hidden, is absolutely present in the gospel. And because it is, that gospel transforms us more and more into the image of our God. I said at the beginning of the service that Steve Jobs is the one who would like to come out and introduce a product, describe all of its features, and then say, oh yeah, there's one more thing. Well, it was in 2010 when he was introducing the iPhone 4, when he did that very thing, when he described all of its new features, all of its new facets, and then he had one more thing, a brand new technology called FaceTime that no matter where you are and no matter where another person is, you can have a face-to-face conversation through your phone. At the time, it seemed like magic. Almost too good to be true. And yet it's really nothing compared to what our gracious God does for us. Our holy, righteous, majestic God hides all of his glory so that we can stare at him face to face, so that we can look at him and listen to him wherever and whenever we want. It's not magic. It's not too good to be true. It's only a sign of his tremendous love for us, a love that we will see fully on display as we now head into the season of Lent. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.